Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everybody. Adam Cleary here for Trek Culture, back in everybody's favorite long-running dolphin-based series. And before, I just, I'm talking really fast because before we start, I just have to get something out of the way. I have to address the giant falcon in the room. I cannot say it. The word, I can't do the word. I can't say it. This video is going to be very difficult for me. What word, Adam? It's a bit weird thing to say, given that you'd like do with words, do with words every single day as a career. The, the name of the Romulan warbird, the class of ship, Duridex, Duralalex, Dedax, Duridaridu. I can never say it. I can't say it consistently. I can't say it correctly. I can't say it accurately. I'm just. I've got the fear. Because in order to like, you do get things wrong on the internet and someone's like, oh my God, as if he pronounces it Duduridex when it's actually Derrideridula Dibidu. And I just, uh, life's too short, man. I'm in my 30s now. I just can't be bothered with the hassle. So I'm getting this out of the way. I can't say the name. I'm really sorry. I'm going to get the name wrong. We've just got to deal with it. But that's fine. That's the small caveat entered into the bargain. And the bargain is that you get to learn 10 amazing facts about a Star Trek vessel that you didn't already know. Because as we always do in this series, Paul, your hero and mine, he delves into the stories, the technical manuals, the behind the scenes stuff to find interesting factoids. Spit there about these ships. So, with that caveat in place, and you all knowing the rules, the Romulan Warbird, one of the most iconic ships in the entire history of the franchise. It was probably the second most iconic ship in all of the next generation. Debatably, some of you would say the Borg Cube, some of you would say the Bird of Prey, some of you might even just say, I don't know, Shuttlecraft to be difficult, I don't know, but I think the Warbird was easily, next to the Enterprise D, the most iconic ship in that show. And as is fitting with the Romulans, not much detail is given during the actual show itself, but it's been around for so long and so much done about it that there has been loads of stuff published which tells us little bits more and little behind-the-scenes things which tells us little bits more still. So, before I burst a blood vessel in my head, my name is Adam Cleary and these are 10 things you didn't know about the Romulan Warbird that you need to know. I've done the title wrong. Oh, before we start, just a little bit of housekeeping. Here is a statistic for you. That's genuinely, that's genuinely true. So few of you are actually subscribers to the channel. And yes, it is a broad church. We welcome everybody in. If you would like to subscribe, that's absolutely fine. If you don't want to, hey, it's your life. But the more of you that subscribe to videos, the bigger the channel's gonna get, the more stuff, fun stuff we can do. So consider it. If you're in the large majority of people who are not subscribers to this channel, who are watching this video, why not stay a while? We do stuff like this all the time. Number 10, Axis of Evil. Now, after being part of the design team for the Enterprise D and also doing a load of other cool stuff like the Ferengi Marauder, Andrew Probert, his last job on the show was to design the Romulan Warbird. And he thought, you know what it is? 
All Star Trek ships kind of look the same. Front bit, nice flat, two things at the side. I'm going to change this up. And that's because Gene Roddenberry had dictated the ships in Star Trek, the way they use warp fields, the way they use warp core, the way they travel is basically that you have a bridge, a central section, and two basically warp generators, whatever kind you want to call them, working in tandem. But he never said what axis they had to be on. They were always vertical in the show. If you think about the placement of the nacelles and the birds of prey and everything else, they're always vertical. So Andrew thought, what if I just flip this up? I mean, he says himself, I didn't have any information except that the Romulans were coming back and that we had never seen their ship before. Since the Enterprise is so horizontal, I wanted to contrast it with a vertical ship. And that's, I actually think that looks incredible. I think that looks really, really interesting. And the producers saw it and they went, hey, that looks really nice. You're going to have to put that back the right way around, but it looks really nice. And he did, and then he left the show. And that actually might seem like a very short legacy to have, but pretty good, in my opinion. It's more than I've done. Number nine, plots and schemes. Once it settled on design, actually building the thing was pretty straightforward. They did some like vacuum sealing on foam, gave it this like green wash and did one effect shot for it, which got recycled and recycled across the first two seasons. But then finally in season three, in the defector, they started doing loads of proper mock-ups with it, with a much better model and a little bit of computer effects. But one change they did make was the color. It was this like bright, vibrant green in the first two seasons. And they thought that's fun, but it does look a bit silly. So they muted it down. It's closer to like a, like a bluish, emeraldy grey now. They dubbed this the B-type Dex Romulan Warbird, and it's kind of actually a baffling decision that they did all this, because they added a few extra lights and stuff, they put some stuff in the front, some stuff in the back, they trimmed out the warp cells a bit as well, which is, alright, fine, you want to give it a bit of a redesign, a bit of a refresh, cool, it's your life, I suppose, but they also then started intercutting it with footage from the original two seasons, which is a different ship that looks quite different and was designed slightly differently. So it's a bit, if you watch The Next Generation from like season three onwards, there's occasionally some really inconsistent shots of Warbirds. And in fact, it did that the whole way through The Next Generation. The marketing was inconsistent. The toys were inconsistent. It wasn't until they got into Deep Space Nine that they were like, right, that's, we have to do all new effects work for it for this show. So that is just the gray version. That's the proper version. There is no more green version. Forget it ever existed. Number eight, alternative energy. Small little technical factoid for you here. Pretty much every ship, every federation, every organization, everything in Star Trek, every federation, very good, uses a dilithium-based warp drive. We know that the Borg use transwarp, but everybody else, they mine dilithium crystals and they use it to power warp drives. Well, almost all of them, except the Romulans, which, before we go on, should have meant that they were completely immune from the whole thing that happened in Discovery because they didn't use dilithium crystals in their warp drive. So if all the dilithium crystals in the galaxy exploded and blew up all these ships, they should have just been stood there going, uh-huh. Normal. According to the Next Generation episodes Face of the Enemy and Timescape, as well as Deep Space Nine's The Visionary, Romulan Warbirds were powered by a forced quantum singularity. Kind of getting rid of the whole traditional matter-antimatter reaction thing, and instead focusing the power of a tiny black hole to propel their ships through space. Which is, when you say it out loud, incredibly cool. And this plays into the whole cloaking device as well, because these are small singularities, they're kept in complete perfect balance, they don't really have wasted energy one way or the other, so when they are cloaked, there's no big energy spikes as they power their engines and things like that. It's all, it all makes sense when you put it together. But then, of course, I say it was very good, obviously it's a plot point in episodes because it makes these temporal distortions with chroniton, etc., and whatnot. So they weren't, they weren't perfect, let's just say, but in the balance of things, a couple of little trips through time or things getting reset or people getting made invisible. One side, yes, every single ship in the galaxy exploding because of a dilithium chain reaction thing, quite worse. Number seven, impulse omissions. 
All right, so credit where it's due, Star Trek takes this stuff incredibly seriously and has all designs for all of its ships be as realistic as possible. They must all feature propulsion systems. They must all feature a visible bridge, windows, lights, little spaces for docking, little spaces for escape pods, all the stuff that would need to be on that ship. They used to pride themselves on putting on the physical model. Almost. Fortunately, due to the rather accelerated pace of the design stage of the next generation, they got the Romulan Warbird looking lovely with its bright green this and its throbbing that and its big hookbird face thing here and there, but they forgot to put any impulse engines on it. And then they kind of like settled on the design without them. So it never got them. Again, Probert, who worked on the design of the ship, said that it was supposed to have them. There was supposed to be this vertical strip wedged into the back, which would have had a row of green lights across the very extreme back edge, the tailbone of the ship. But they just didn't have time for that, so they didn't do it. There was also supposed to be a big shuttle bay door that's at the very top and at the back, as well as a big window for the bridge as well, which was supposed to be at the front and also at the top. But they just didn't have time for those either, so they also fell by the wayside. Interestingly, the like primary disruptor array on the front, that was originally supposed to be the deflector dish, but again, they didn't have time. Number six, the old recycled starship. Here it is, everybody's favorite entry in all these videos where we point at something you like and go, guess where else they use that? Now, yes, we do normally just do that with sets, excuse me, but we're doing it with ships now. They reuse the ships. Now, I think, unless I'm wrong, we've talked about the Torellian ship loads and loads and loads. That appears like a hundred times in every single different Star Trek, either changed around or turned upside down or painted or with a lump on top or with two things on the, on the side. They got their money's worth out of that and then some. However, the Romulan Warbird, the Dex class ship, that also appeared numerous times as numerous other ships. Like, oh, like what? I'll tell you. Notably, both the Maserite ship from Star Trek Enterprise's Fallen Hero and the Illyrian starship from Damage are models of the Romulan Warbird. Now, yes, these were CGI models, you are correct, but they had the Warbird framework already in the database instead of sitting there and designing a completely new ship. They were told, just use the Warbird, just turn it around, change colours, it's not complicated. Oh, and this is also my favourite bit. One of the warp nacelles from a Romulan Warbird toy was repurposed by Deep Space Nine and used as, like, a medical scanner and an engineering tool on more than one occasion, which is uh, I love. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Number five, Big Bird. And yes, as much as we like to point at things and go, hey, guess where else that cropped up? We also like to point at things and go, the size of this is mad and inconsistent. So when he originally drew the Romulan Warbird, Probert sat down and said, look, wouldn't it be really scary if this was twice the size of the Enterprise D? Now, because it's got that big hole in the middle, its mass is not twice the size of the Enterprise D, but it is physically twice as big. Wouldn't that be really scary? So we drew that up and they went, yeah, okay, good idea. But then in the finished VFX shot, his suggested framing of putting the Enterprise in front and the Warbird behind so you could see how much bigger it was had been changed, been flip reversed. So they were that way around. So you couldn't really get a sense of the scale. The Warbird was bigger, but it was also in the foreground. So you expected that and they kind of looked, you couldn't really tell. And then throughout the next generation, they were just kind of inconsistently used from there. Like some shots, they look massive. Some shots, they just looked a little bit bigger. Some shots, they look kind of the same size. There've been different deck schematics appearing on screen. Some that say like there are over 40 decks some that have said there's like 26 decks or something. And of course there was that time with the two decloaking Klingon birds of prey right behind them in the defector. That was where the birds of prey were now somehow like three times the size of the warbird because of scale and depth and stuff like that. So they just, they didn't know what they were doing, but it was supposed to be massive. Number four, workplace of the enemy. Now, along with the Bird of Prey and the Vorchak-class attack cruiser, the Warbird is one of the most frequently occurring alien ships on Star Trek. But, unlike those two, it did not have an existing set that had been used for the original series or some of the movies. There was no, like, stock Romulan set for any of their ships at Paramount. The episodes Contagion, Face of the Enemy, and Deep Space Nine's The Dyer's Cast are the only episodes to feature scenes on a Romulan Warbird's bridge, and each episode featured newly constructed or redressed sets for the occasion. The most elaborate one appeared in the latter episode, a heavily modified and reworked set previously built for the aborted Star Trek Phase II, and later used as the refit Enterprise bridge in Star Trek The Motion Picture. And also The Wrath of Khan, and also The Search for Spock, and also The Voyage Home, and also The Final Frontier, but as we've discussed in other videos they changed that around loads in every single one anyway so who knows and then of course later on in star trek nemesis when they needed a couple of shots on the valdor's bridge they just used the enterprise e's bridge but just made it green number three the lost warbird this is sad the dedarydex the dedarydex the dedarydex romulan warbird was only ever on tv it never made the jump with the rest of the next generation assets by which I mean the cast and the ship, to the movies. Never got a chance. But according to Ronald Moore himself, it was supposed to be in Star Trek Generations that we're going to make a movie-scale, movie-quality model of that to go in the film. See, the original opening of Star Trek Generations wasn't this champagne bottle. Slowly... rotating through space it was actually set at the Amagosa Observatory which of course we do then get to in the first act basically these two Starfleet officers Beavis and Butthead style his words not mine were just sitting about picking their rings doing absolutely nothing then this warbird decloaks attacks the station the Romulans board shoot everybody but then the Enterprise under Picard turns up and saves the day and that was the opening of that film quite different. However, Jerry Taylor read that and was like, an action set piece is not a particularly interesting way to open that part of the movie. We don't need to do that. Why don't we do something a bit more different? Why don't we have a ship at sea and Worf falls in and then Data pushes Crusher in as well. And somehow they looked at these two ideas and went, yeah, that one's better. Wait, no. Apparently, according to this, I have no idea if this is true, but Paul says it is. One of the original pitches was to have Picard intend forward pushing an egg with his nose which, I'm not gonna lie, sounds like a euphemism to me. 
and I don't want to know what for. Number two, avian evolution. Now, when they needed a Romulan ship for Star Trek Nemesis, they decided that the Deridex class warbirds, yeah, I can't say it, that was just me doing a bit, the whole video wasn't needed, they were going to design something new and movie scale instead. The Valdor class warbird, including the Valdor and its friend, were completely designed from scratch. They incorporated elements of the original warbird, being long, being swooping, having kind of the wing look, kind of having the bird head look, but also included elements that reminded the producers of the bird of prey. The Klingon bird of prey, because they really like that shit. They were also referred to as warbirds, which was interesting because that they weren't they weren't warbirds. They they were a new ship, but unless that's just warbirds is just the catch-all term for all like Romulan capital ships, which I quite like actually. They're all just they're all just warbirds. They're all they're all just war. The real warbirds were the friends we made along the way. Actually, more to the point, in Picard, three separate Romulan ships have all been referred to either on the show or in the supporting material as warbirds. So I think. I think every Romulan ship's just called a warbird now. You got the small green one, that was called a warbird in the storyboard. You got the slightly bigger grey one, that was called a warbird as well. Then you've just got the regular warbird, which show up at the end, and the big fleet in what I still think is one of the worst, worst scenes I've ever seen in Star Trek. It's just people talking about firing for 10 minutes, and then nobody firing. God, that was a season, wasn't it? Commodore, oh God. That feels like a million years ago now. Number one, staying power. You want to know how many episodes of Star Trek the Romulan Warbird has featured in? 17 in The Next Generation, 10 in Deep Space Nine, and a further two in Voyager. Although I can't remember either of them, if I'm being completely honest. That is some staying power for what was just a generic alien ship. And just as a testament to that staying power, to its enduring love and mythology, it's in Lower Decks. 32 years it has been in the Star Trek franchise. The Romulan Warbird has been in for 32 years and is still going strong. Is that some kind of mad interesting fact you didn't know already? Probably not specifically, but it is worth pointing out. I think we've only done the Borg cube. Did we do the Clown Bird of Prey? I can't even remember. My life has been so long and there are such few iconic Star Trek ships outside of Federation designs that have held on for this long. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Like genuinely, it's those three, isn't it?